How are we doing, good people? What's up? Well, I want to welcome you to the first episode of the I Thrive podcast. Um, I'm your host, Trevor Woodward. I'm a health coach in the Atlanta area. And I just want to take a couple seconds. and Thank you for stopping in. Um, I really hope that this is worthwhile for you. And I also want to explain who I am, what my vision for this podcast is, why you're here, why you should stick around, and why you should tune in again. I'm a health coach in the Atlanta area, like I said, and I, I work with, with clients of all ages, size, shapes to create positive transformation uh, through habit change in their life all around health. You know, I work with from the athlete who's trying to take it to another level to the person who's trying to lose a fourth of their body weight to someone who just wants to better manage uh, stress and anxiety and overcome some of the internal obstacles. Whatever it is, wherever you are in your health journey, I'm here to help. And what this podcast is, is really an outlet for um, teaching um, and education and taking practical steps towards better health. That's what this is, entirely devoted to health. And I'm super excited to get into some of the content that I want to share with you later on uh, in future podcasts. But as I was thinking about all the different things I could share with you and the content that I wanted to create, I thought, man, what's the one thing that's missing? So <laughs> these people probably have no idea who I am. You see, for me, health is not just an occupation. It's not just a, a passion. It's not just uh, what I do for work and how I serve people, but it's something that I've lived. You see, I've, I've lived uh, from a place of unhealth and now I'm living and trying to, to increase this on a day-to-day basis, but living into a place of health. And I know the transformation that can occur within a life. But it's important that you know who I am because you know the, the context of what all this information and practical application is being delivered to you from a person who's lived it. And so let's just start there. Let's, let's start with, with who am I? And I, I want to build into this slowly because my journey with health has taken a lot of twists and turns, and it really started with me from a really, really young age. So I'm actually going to go back to elementary school. And I want to say this before I get in. It's not a pity party. I've been through some things in my life. I haven't been through um, certainly what maybe some of you have been through. And so I don't mean to demean anyone's scenario at all. I don't even mean to demean my own. But I just want to go back and explain to you how has health played a role in my life how how did it weave itself into every area uh, of my being? And why am I sitting here today talking to you? So I'm just going to go go really, really slowly. And I'm going to take you back. And actually what I want to do is when I was thinking about it, I was like, man, how do I even tell my own story? How do I cover uh, just the decades of, of of life to catch you up on who I am and like, 20 or 30 minutes. I was like, man, that's, that's quite an undertaking. And I, the thought popped in my head. I was like, man, I, I, I just wish that I could just go back and introduce you to, you know, maybe me as an elementary schooler. 
and then me as a teenager, and then me as a college student, and then me as a young adult. And as I noodled on that, I thought, you know what? That's actually what I'll do. I will speak from the lens of how you probably would have viewed me had you known me at that stage of life. So let's do that. So let's go back. If you knew me, Trevor Woodward, as a kid, you probably knew me as the outgoing one. Probably had a little bit of ADD. Um, and that manifested in a lot of different ways. Uh, had a lot of friends. Um, was always on the go. A lot of activity. But because of that, I was always in trouble. I was always just trying to have fun. But unfortunately, it's rough on the house. My parents seemed to always be frustrated with me. I just broke things. I'd just take off in a dead sprint in any direction anytime I had the opportunity to run. We'd go to church, and before church started, I'd be a sweaty beast because you know, I spent 30 minutes in the front yard playing football with my friends. And they're all fine. None of them have mud on them. None of them are sweaty. But I would just go so hard. I was so outgoing. <laughs> kind of a, a funny story that uh, my mom reminds me of even to this day is um, when I was a little kid, she asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, I, I think I want to be a limo driver. And she kind of looked at me a little weird and she started asking. She's like, what? Okay, why do you want to be a limo driver? And my response was, um, you know, I want to be a limo driver because they get to drive around all the pretty girls. <laughs> so while all of my friends are dreaming about being a professional skateboarder or being in the NFL or being a doctor and curing cancer, I'm trying to find out ways to drive around party girls. So, so there you go. And what I want to say before I move on is I'm going to circle back and take my time through this and actually tell you what was going on beneath the surface because the exterior didn't always match the interior. So even though as a kid, you may have known me as the outgoing one, a little bit of ADD, Wanted to be a limo driver, so personable, always uh, high energy. What was going on inside of me was a little bit different. But I want to wait to get into that. So that was me as a kid. All right, so let's talk about teen years. Middle school, high school, still definitely continued. Um, the... Uh, the outgoing one uh, identity that I, that I think I had developed for myself. But uh, it, it took on a twist as I went through puberty. I um, started to be known as the outrageous one. Like that's probably how you would have recognized me. Uh, somewhere along the way in middle school, I learned that dudes really love inappropriate humor. And it was just so happened that uh, I was also a little bit heavier and so I looked at guys like Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen and was like, okay, well, if they can be the funny fat guy, then I can also be the funny fat guy. So that's kind of what I did. I just banked on inappropriate humor to get me through. I would take my shirt off anytime it was remotely an option. Um, I wore really, really short shorts. You know, those like, uh, I think they're called chubbies. You ever seen this? Um, yeah, I think I was one of the early adopters um, 
I, I don't say that with a ton of pride. I say that with some shame on the tongue. So, um, but I, you know, I just want to let you into that. <laughs> but I also had this other kind of alter ego that if you really, really knew me, you might know me as the deep one. Kind of prided myself as the guy um, that could sit around the bonfire and talk about the deeper things of life. Um, I could talk about the spiritual stuff and how my emotions and um, the way I thought the world worked. I really wanted to be this sort of uh, this renaissance man. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of how you would that's how, that's kind of how you would know me in, in, in my teen years. Um, not much else, but again, as I mentioned, a lot of stuff going on under the surface that I'm going to talk about later. Okay. Fast forward into college. And, um, I think this is where a lot of my outward personality really started to round out. Um, definitely as you can imagine with being the, um, outrageous one and the inappropriate humor and the trying to get a laugh whenever you can. There's, there's a lot of rough edges <laughs> there. I don't even have to, to give details, but I'm sure you can imagine that yeah, naturally there were some rough edges in my personality. And I felt like in college was, uh, was really when some of these started to round out. Depending on what circle you knew me from, maybe you knew me as the center of attention. Um, I had the opportunity to serve my university. I went to the University of Georgia, go dogs, um, in a lot of different capacities. And so I was the, you know, I was one of a few to be the face of the university. I I, I don't say that to brag. I, I just say that to say maybe, maybe that's how you knew me. Maybe you would have known me as the guy that that's in, in the center of attention. He's kind of in the middle of it all. Maybe you knew me as a leader. Maybe you knew me as the, you know, the person who was, um, highly involved and in, in, in the kind of um, execution of a lot of different organizations on campus. Maybe you knew me as just a quality guy. I can't tell you how many times I heard that. Trevor is just a good guy, right? Um, maybe you knew me as the outspoken one. I was definitely a person who was unashamed to say what I thought, even when I probably shouldn't. Um, that got, in, got me in trouble a little bit. You see, these are all th- parts of my personality that that um, really started to come out and um, definitely were a part of my outward identity. So as I look back at those kind of three key, I want to say age buckets of my life, um, it, it's pretty apparent to me that it was all a cover-up for how I actually viewed myself internally. Um like if you could go back and and look at me as a kid, maybe you're sitting there thinking I'm the outgoing one, the one that's always having fun, always with friends. I viewed myself as the outsider. And, you know, I don't know that I really had good data for that feeling. I don't know where that came from. But on the outside, I've got this one identity growing within other people. They're viewing me a certain way. And inwardly, I'm battling th- these thoughts of like, gosh, you know, I-, I don't have a friend group or what if these friends really don't like me? Or what if um, what if they're only uh, friends with me because it's convenient for them or because of the things I can provide them with? 
these are the thoughts I faced as a really, really young kid. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's one particular moment and it really is not traumatic. Like, and I look back at this moment, I'm like, gosh, how did this impact me all that much? But when you think about the mind of a child, the smallest thing can be extremely traumatic. So this is something I'm thinking about as I'm, you know, getting into that age where fatherhood's on the horizon. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep this in the foref- in the forefront of my brain. But um, we moved. We moved uh, cities. We moved states in between third and fourth grade. And again, not a traumatic event, but it really shook me up. And that was really kind of a defining moment that set a lot of um, unhealthy habits in motion in my life. I felt totally out of control. Um, I felt like my family was making decisions without me. I felt like I had no control over um, whether I would like my teachers or whether they would like me or whether I would make friends or what school I would go to or what I would even do during the summers. It it just all of a sudden, the image that I had for my life, even at at that early of an age, started to erode. And I needed control. I needed stability. And for me, that was food. You know, it's interesting. If you go to my website and click on the About Me page, you'll you'll see a sentence that I think is funny. That uh, as a kid, I had an affinity for eating family-sized bags of Cheetos by the bag every day after school. And it's funny when I say it, but that actually was my life for a little while. As a kid, I would experience these things in school, experience instability, experience feeling like an outsider and this just distaste with myself, growing internally, and I would come home and I'd binge. Anything that would make me feel good, I I started to just put my hands on at such a young age. I had no idea what I was doing. But of course, it develops into habits, and then you fast forward to middle and high school. And I know I mentioned to you that I was starting to, you know, develop some some muffin tops. Definitely looked like a little blueberry muffin. Actually, I had someone tell me once that I, um, gosh, what did they say? Um, they said I looked. Uh, they said I looked like an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> and I was like what the heck? How, how do you expect me to respond well to that? Like, that's not good. They're saying it almost endearing. I was like, no, there's nothing endearing about a new Balupa. Um, but that was me, short, stocky kid. And totally from the habits I developed um, at a young age of just needing uh, food for control. And so I started to feel on the inside like I was the fat kid. Not as a kid who was fat, It's a state of being, but as the fat kid, as if it was my identity. Um, And then I started to get bullied. And it confirmed the suspicion I had inside of me that I thought, man, no one likes me. And I experienced a ton of shame. I thought it was because I was fat. I thought because... I am overweight because um, I have the body and the shape that I do. People don't like me. And because they don't like me, they're showing it. They're bullying me. And I started to have this intense body shame. 
and also this love-hate relationship with food. Like I needed it. I, I craved it every day after school. In school, I'd eat like three lunches because I just needed that um, almost high, like that dopamine rush throughout the day um, to make it through, to feel good about myself. But then, of course, I'd, I'd, I'd look at myself in the mirror and not recognize who I was. Or I would feel stuffed to the brim and just feel uh, like a walking brick. And so I swung the pendulum in the other direction. The second I got a car, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to use some of this freedom and, and start going to the gym and get serious about my health. But unfortunately, I swung the pendulum to the other direction. And I started to use exercise as torture. I would eat a meal. I would estimate how many calories it was. And, and I would say, okay, that's, that's what I got to burn off later today. And I'd spend two to three hours in the gym every day after school. Part of it was because I genuinely enjoyed working out. But so much of it was unhealthy. So much of it was punishment to me. I can remember... Um, every uh, Sunday after church, we would go to this Mexican restaurant. And no matter what I told myself about the types of foods I was going to eat, inevitably, I would always, um, I'd always revert back to the things that just weren't good for me. And I'd feel so awful afterwards. And it just became my routine that on Sundays, I'd spend two hours in the gym on the treadmill until I saw that calorie number (laughs) hit the number that I was going for. And I just lived my life in between these two gutters, like these two extremes of intense exercise. And I'd swear, I'd say, gosh, for the next two weeks, I'm only eating salads and I'm, I'm not having breakfast and I'm only going to eat vegetables and lean meats for dinner. And, and the thing was, is I would do it. I was successful at it. Only to end it all in a, in a screw it all binge and I'd I'd have a week where it just completely went off the rails and couldn't keep it together. I'd feel body shame. I'd hate food. I'd hate, I hate my body. I'd hate myself. And I'd, <laughs> I, I would go back to the other end. So I just lived in, in these extremes. And at that time, that was really a window for some negative thinking to take root. I stopped looking at um, my context or my circumstances and environment is just what they were. Um, and I started to identify with, with shame. I started to identify with depression. I started to identify, um, um, and I started, I started to think of myself as a bad person or, or an unsuccessful person. And in college, I had a full blown eating disorder that I didn't let anyone know about. I had depression but at the time, I didn't have the courage to call it by its name. Uh, my unhealth even spread to my relationships. I, I was constantly bouncing between uh, you know, relationships, whether it be with friends or, or with serious dating relationships. I just needed people to cling to. I needed that positive affirmation because I certainly wasn't giving it to myself, even spiritually. I started to view God as a lucky rabbit's foot as my way out of pain. But then I also started superimposing my view um, of myself onto him. And I treated him as if he viewed me the way that I view me. And the way I knew myself in college is, man, I'm critically flawed. So while people are 
seeing me as the you know the good guy the outspoken one the leader and i put that in quotes in air quotes um because deep down i had this suspicion that maybe i'm just broken maybe i can't be fixed and i've had my i've had this suspicion my entire life up to that point that if people really knew me the real me they wouldn't love me or they wouldn't approve of me or they would not accept me and what i've found through walking out a process to become healthier in a lot of different ways. I've shared a lot with you. But what I've found is that I'm not alone in that. That I think most of us actually have that voice in the back of our head that says, hey, if he only knew or if she only knew or that if your family only knew what your day-to-day looked like, that they wouldn't love you, they wouldn't accept you. And that voice controlled my life. And my early adult years have been uh, marked by a process of walking through this to become healthy. And I wanted to share with you some of the steps that I took. And again, this is stuff that I want to get into in great detail in later podcasts. But I started to see a counselor. I found people that I felt safe with and started exposing some of this. I brought these dark thoughts that I had. Uh, deep down in my soul into the light so that people could speak truth into it. I started to actually view food for what it was as a, as a substance, as, a, as, a, um, as, as, as the thing that actually sustains our body and our life, not as a punishment or not as um, a great indulgence, but I started to view it for what it was. I even started to view my body um, in a different way. My body wasn't this product to put on display for people to look at and critique and decide, um, do they want it? Do they not want it? Do they like it? And I started to view it as, as the vehicle for which I'm transporting myself through life as this machine and food played a critical role in that. Like, you know, what types of foods keep the machine running? Well, it serves a function and a purpose, but it's not all about looks because at that point, outward appearances hadn't gotten me much all the inward things that that I thought were going on is what I was more concerned about addressing. I even started to view relationships in a different way. It was around that time that I met my wife and you know it was a process of, of getting healthy and so I I, um, I started meeting with a bunch of mentors and and going through curriculums on what does it actually look like to do a relationship? well what is it what does it take to be healthy in a relationship and not not be so clingy to the other person that you actually suffocate the relationship and i could go on and on and on i could share a lot of stuff with you and i will that's my promise to you but here's where it all started it started with me loving myself and that's where i would encourage you to start today if there's anything with my story that that resonated with you um whether it be the disparity between the image you put on and what you are experiencing deep down within you. Maybe it's some of the ways that I was unhealthy. Maybe you also struggle with that as well. Or maybe you struggle with something entirely different. Where you start is loving yourself. Because every step flows from that baseline, saying you are worth it. You're worth it to transform. You're worth it to create positive habit change in your life. 
and you're worth it to allow yourself the grace to grow and also the grace to make mistakes. So maybe that's your breakthrough today. Maybe your breakthrough is not a five-step program to getting in better shape. Maybe it's not the next diet plan or the next fad. I'm not suggesting that to you. Maybe your breakthrough is one, knowing that you're not alone. I've been there. Other people have been there. And right where you're at is okay. You're okay right where you're at. And then two, maybe your breakthrough is is starting with loving yourself and knowing that the sky is the limit, but it all starts with you loving and deeply caring for yourself. So that's it. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, I would just encourage you to take a deep breath and start to love yourself today.